Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. It's March 2022 and I'm Ben Burwood. This month I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Margarita Pizzato from the Department of Clinical Sciences and Community Health at the University of Milan, whose research and updated estimates of the incidence and mortality rates associated with thyroid cancer has been published on our latest issue. Margarita, thank you so much for joining us. Firstly, Thyroid cancer is the most prevalent malignancy of the endocrine system. Could you start by briefly describing your study and the key findings? Well, thank you for giving me the possibility to comment on our researches. I'm glad to share with you what we have learned from them. My name is Margarita Vizzato and I am a physician. I collaborate with the IARC, that is the International Agency for Research on Cancer, based in Lyon. Soon I will start a postdoc share between IARC and the University of Milan. Just prior to focusing on our study, let me spend just a couple of words on existing field cancer epidemiologic evidence and clarify the rationale of our study. Fear cancer was very rare in the past. In the last decade, its incidence has increased steadily in many countries, albeit with major regional variations. At the same time, mortality has remained relatively stable at low level almost everywhere. The rising incidence is largely due to an increased detection of small papillary ferret cancer, the most indolent ferret cancer subtype. In addition, female age-specific curves of incidence has gradually changed. They now peak in middle-aged women instead of increasing with age. There is a wide consensus in the community that this epidemiologic pattern is largely driven by an overdiagnosis effect. To better clarify, overdiagnosis is the diagnosis of a disease that will never cause symptoms or death during a patient's expected lifetime. It's crucial to highlight that overdiagnosis is strictly associated to the overtreatment, that is, the unnecessary treatment of otherwise healthy individuals. So the global relevance, as well as its clinical and financial implications, call for continuous monitoring of magnitude, trends, and geographical expansion of this phenomenon. Our study provides, therefore, the most up-to-date assessment on the global distribution of fear cancer incidence and mortality, with a focus on the variability across and within regions and across different levels of the Human Development Index. In these studies, we use high-quality data from the Globocan project, the Globocan database is accessible online as part of the IARC Global Cancer Observatory and provides up-to-date estimates of incidence and mortality in 185 countries for 36 types of cancer and for all cancer sites combined. The profile of cancer is built using the best available data sources within a given country. 
So summarizing briefly our results, we observed a large geographic variability in feared cancer incidence rates, with high rates seen in many settings worldwide, including mostly high-income countries, but also some low- and middle-income areas. The geographic heterogeneity is wider for women whose rates are in each country around three times higher than in men. Low mortality rates were widely reported in both sexes. Thank you. So how do your how do these latest estimates differ from the previous Globacan studies? And is there a global trend? So a clarification, uh, Globocan can only provide a snapshot of the situation in a given moment and the comparison across different versions of this data set are not recommended nor ideal. We have previously carried out trend studies analyzing data from high-quality population-based cancer registry. These studies show that fearic cancer has not always been widespread as it is today. Since the early 1980s, a fast rise in incidence rates initially characterized very high-income countries. Then, this upward trend spread to many areas worldwide, including several high-income areas and, more recently, densely populated middle-income countries, undergoing rapid socioeconomic transition. Some of them are very large countries like China, India and Brazil. As you mentioned earlier, women are more commonly diagnosed than men. Can you elaborate on why this is? You also found that women from Northeast Europe, Central America, Southeast Asia and the Caribbean are less commonly diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Do you know what the reason is for this discrepancy? Well, in order to explain the discrepancy you mentioned, it is necessary to retrace how ferric cancer diagnosis evolved in the past decades. Historical ferric cancer were found by palpation, frequently in patients already presenting compression symptoms or visible neck masses. The advent and spread of new, more sensitive imaging technologies enabled the diagnosis of previously undetectable nodules. This led to the detection of a number of indolent feared lesion, which are known to exist in the feared glands, and to the consequence increase in the number of diagnoses as well as in the incidence rates without affecting mortality. Notably, diagnosis cases are three times more prevalent in women, while the prevalence of fear tumors identified from autopsy as well as mortality rates result to be similar between sexes. Besides this discrepancy between diagnosis case and autopsy findings, the gradual change of the female age-specific curves of incidence also suggests a stronger impact of overdiagnosis among women. So the large geographic variability observed within regions and between countries, particularly for women, may predominantly reflect health practices, in particular those concerning detection of indolent feared tumors. Key determinants include the organization of the health system as screening practices and regulation in the access to diagnosis and reimbursement.
The availability of sensitive diagnostic facilities as a portable ultrasound machine and computed tomography, as well as medical practices adopted by the physician, as for instance, the aptitude towards field gland investigation. In this perspective, we observed that in those countries where a broad access to care and to modern diagnosis technologies could be limited, as for instance in Central America and in Caribbean Highland, fetal cancer incidence rates remain generally low. Fetal cancer is also less commonly diagnosed in those countries where the access to diagnosis is guided by strong regulatory rules, as for instance in the Nordic countries. You highlight the issue of diagnosis, with it accounting for 60 to 90% of patients diagnosed. Why is it that thyroid cancer lends itself to such frequent overdiagnosis, and why does it so affect women? So overdiagnosis may occur if three conditions coexist. Firstly, a tumor reservoir, and a large number of subclinical cancer are known to exist in the fetal gland. Secondly, the possibility to detect it with highly sensitive diagnostic methods and, as already said, modern sensitive technologies are available for fear cancer detection. Thirdly, an increase in diagnostic surveillance, an increased investigation of fear glands characterize many sectors worldwide. So, it is possible that the interaction between the fetal glands and women's reproductive hormones, whose release increases from the age of puberty, could induce the development of fetal disease such as nodules. Hormone-related events, as for instance pregnancies or menopause, may also be circumstances that pose special demands on feared function, likely predisposing to cell proliferation. However, and this is even more relevant, those hormone-related events, together with gynecological issues, contribute to expose women, predominantly young adults, ones, to more intensive and early medical surveillance, underlying additional opportunities for scrutiny of the feared gland. We sort of covered this across the last two questions, but um, what do you think are the main drivers of, of overdiagnosis? So overdiagnosis is a multifaced problem whose drivers interact through complex patterns. However, above all, overdiagnosis requires the existence of a large number of sub subclinical tumors in the population, as well as an increase in activities that led to their detection. Local practices and variation in the intensity of uh, diagnostic activities are hence considered to be key in overdiagnosis phenomenon. Looking at the observed pattern, overdiagnosis clearly emerged in some market-oriented areas where the access to healthcare overuse regulatory control, as in the USA. Overdiagnosis also occurs in some high-quality public health system with an easy and broad access to fetal gland diagnostic examinations, as in Canada. The most striking example of overdiagnosis has been observed in the Republic of Korea, 
where from the early 2000s, a national screening program for older common malignancies contributed to the spread of fear cancer opportunistic examination by fee-for-service providers. In 2020, fear cancer remains the most common malignancy diagnosed in South Korea, and the gap between incidence and mortality rates remain among the widest worldwide. Thank you again. You state that the global can estimates and your findings could be limited because they're based on trends from previous years. Could you elaborate on this for us, please? What could have contributed to these inaccuracies? So with regard to the database used for this analysis, uh, the Globocan estimates may suffer from some lack of accuracy in certain contexts uh, because projections are based on incidence and mortality trends from the past years. However, when building estimates, the Globocan editors pay specific attention to ferret cancer. For instance, when estimating the incidence in South Korea, the most recent rates, rather than projection of past trends, were used. In addition, geographic variability observed in these studies is consistent with the features described in similar studies. In a recent analysis, for instance, we used data from the population-based cancer registry included in the IARC cancer incidence in five continents database, which gathered high-quality incidence data as well as trend over time. In 26 high- and middle-income countries, our group found corresponding similar incidence patterns in all high-income countries as well as in some middle-income ones. Similarly, in your paper, you also discuss, uh, well, briefly mentioned the COVID, that the COVID-19 pandemic wasn't considered. What effect do you think it might have had on the estimates? Yeah, indeed, the COVID-19 epidemic was not taken into consideration in the study, although it could have affected the registration process, particularly in low- and middle-income countries. Similarly, under-registration could have affected some countries uh, characterized by a critical geopolitical situation in 2020. Although the extent of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in different world regions is largely unknown, reduced availability and limited access to care, delays in diagnosis and treatment associated with individual concerns may have caused in some settings a short-term decline in cancer incidence, followed by increases in advanced stage diagnosis and cancer mortality. It would be interesting to understand whether the pandemic has led to a reduced impact of uh, overdiagnosis, and in the uh, near future we may be able to uh, evaluate this aspect. Lastly, we've spoken a lot about uh, overdiagnosis. In your opinion, how big is the problem? Is it a public health crisis? What do you think could be done to try and control this ever-growing trend? So, the impact of uh, overdiagnosis uh, has been so strong and radical that it has changed the global epidemiological landscape of fear cancer. According to a previous analysis, we estimate over that over 1 million people 
may have been overdiagnosed between 2008 and 2012 in 26 countries spanning four continents, with trends likely continuing to increase. So overdiagnosis represents a large public health problem in many countries worldwide. In addition, and alarmingly, overdiagnosis effect has proven to be not only confined to adults, but also consistent and expanding among adolescents. It's important to to always remember that one of the strong consequences of overdiagnosis is the overtreatment. So the vast majority of individuals diagnosed with uh, ferric cancer undergoes a total thyroidectomy, which requires a lifelong feared hormone replacement therapy, as well as other harmful treatments, such as uh, radiotherapy and the lymph node dissection. A non-negligible proportion of these individuals may also suffer from post-treatment complication as the iatrogenic lesion of the recurrent laryngeal nerve. In addition, among other medical concerns, we should not neglect the harmful lifelong impact on the emotional sphere connected to the diagnosis and care of cancer. Psychological distress frequently affects individuals diagnosed with tumor, with uh, symptoms as uh, anxiety and depression being even more common in young women. And from a socioeconomic point of view, overdiagnosis causes a waste of resources from the health systems as well as for the individuals, diverting resources that could otherwise be used for effective and affordable medical services. These issues appear even more relevant and concerning in limited resource settings. As for individual, a diagnosis of tumors could prevent or limit the possibility of uh, obtaining loans or insurance uh, in market-oriented healthcare systems. So, over the last decades, an encouraging plateauing of ferric cancer incidence rates was observed in South Korea as well as in some other very high-income countries. This could reflect, at least in this context, a rising awareness of overdiagnosed threats, along with the adoption of new, more conservative diagnostic guidelines. We are, however, concerned that as ferric cancer incidence is increasing lap- rapidly in many settings, the scrutiny of the thyroid glands in asymptomatic is still spread. So recommendation against screening for feared cancer in asymptomatic adults and adolescent population free from specific risk factor and wageful waiting surveillance of low risk lesion are key to control feared cancer epidemic. Mm. Margarita, thank you so much. That was really, really fascinating. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. You can find out more at thelancet.com. Thank you, Margarita, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.